Yay. It is indeed SAFM, and this is SAFM Literature, talking about words and books and thoughts and all the things that go with them. And right now we're going to be talking about food, which has been put together in the, in the covers, between the covers of a book called The Irritable Working Woman's Cookbook. Well, I keep saying don't be misled by the title because actually it's really very funny and it's not crabby at all. Um, we've got Cher Alberts, who is the author. How lovely to have you with us, Cher. Thank you. Happy Thank Mother's you. Day. And to you. Is that the right thing to say? Have you got children? I have a son. Okay. Uh, Do you have grandchildren? Well, strangely enough, I'm an honorary grandmother, and I just had a granddaughter on Friday in an honorary capacity. Oh, absolutely. It's marvelous. I had a daughter who was engaged, but sadly she had leukemia. And when her fiancé married... He appointed me honorary grandmother, oh. which is a remarkable. Yes. Oh, yeah. sure. What a wonderful story. It is a wonderful yes, story. Yes, it is. And I, and I think, as, and I keep referring to you as sort of a Yiddish mama, and I suppose that you are a mother to many, many people simply yes. because of. Yes, I am, because uh, in the introduction to the book, I have a quote there that says, Hospitality is one form of worship, says the Talmud, even though I'm not religious. But I find, you know, and I'm sure you find too, that when you entertain people at home or when you cook or people look forward to eating at your house, uh, it, it opens your heart up. And uh, it's a wonderful thing to be able not only to enjoy food but to prepare it. It is, it yeah. is. Uh, just, if I can just take you back, I think you were listening to what Siobhan had to say yes. there about the Jodie Pickle book. Have yes. you read it? No, no. Sounds like one for you, doesn't it? Yes, I'm busy reading Georgia Locatelli's book and it's got 800 pages, so I'll be with it for a while. Okay, <laughs> okay, well, I won't press you on that one. I won't no. ask you for a quick synopsis on that one. 800 no, I'm only up to jokes. <laughs> Okay, let's get on to your own book because you're um, you're quite prolific. You also have a blog. You're a blogista, yes. um, which is called now. Now was where was I? Now where was I? Yeah. I well, that I, happens I when you get that. older. Okay. <laughs> now where were you when you came up with this title, The Irritable Working Woman's uh-huh. Cookbook? What did you have in mind? Well, I had just been retired from the Jewish Museum, and I was sitting in front of my computer thinking. Not what am I, but who am I? And I'm sure everybody's had that thought, you know, whether you're a working woman or not, or a working man or anybody. And I suddenly I thought to myself, I'm a working woman. I've worked all my life. And then I thought, and I'm sometimes irritable. And this, this thought just popped into my head. And I started to write. And, and what came out of that was my history and also my, uh, shall we say, my jaundiced view of certain individuals in my working life, shall we say. So I managed to to incorporate all of that, even into the recipes, into the ingredients. Uh, I've got uh, stuff there from my late daughter, from my husband. I've got, uh, uh, shall we say, nasty little asides, like uh, stir until the gravy is thick and rich like your boss's relatives, for example. I mean, if you're feeling extremely jaundiced and you've had a very bad day. But it's not all about that. I also have recipes from my homesick Scottish grandmother. I have her recipe for fried fish because she was from Edinburgh. And, I mean, um, uh, this was in the 1950s when I was a child. She would walk me to my dancing lessons every Saturday. And she would talk about Edinburgh with such longing and such 
yearning. And then I put her recipe in, and at the end I said, almost a, cl- uh, a cure for homesickness. <laughs> and I think you've got, there's a cure for grief in here. Yes, that was after my daughter died. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, this is a very touching book. I mean, it's, it's wrapped mm. in humour, but it's actually, it's a very Thank moving you. book where there's Thank a great you. deal of thought gone into it. I'm going to take you back, Cher, because yes. you, you, you threw in there that when you retired, inverted commas, from the Jewish Museum, you suddenly, you know, he, who am I? What am I yes. doing on this planet? And you were there for many years. Yes, I was there for nine years. Yes. And during that time, I think mm. food came into your orbit oh, yes. in a big way. Yes, food did come into my orbit in a big way. I mean, I, I did, uh, with the late Odette Schwartz, we did an outdoor food exhibition of a market in Lithuania, but there would be a food component uh, to the exhibitions, for example, and, and I, I introduced klezmer concerts, you know, klezmer music, and we would have these klezmer concerts, but, of course, the minute I thought klezmer music, I immediately thought cheesecake and glimpses because that's Jewish and it's soul food and sweet, and so every... Food is a big component, I mean, of Jewish traditional life. I'm not saying it wasn't a religious thing, it was a traditional yeah. thing. So people would come, and I'm happy to think that they came to the museum as much for the music as also for the blinces and the cheesecake, which of which there were never any scraps left. Yes, yes, yeah. it's a sort of spiritual nourishment as yes, well as physical yes, nourishment. It's, it's but you've got a, a recipe for a dear God cheesecake. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, not I, a religious <laughs> I have put a marker in that one. It's the most magnificent cheese. We'll get on to that in just <laughs> a minute. So, food, if I can just stay with the, yes. the heritage, and you've got another piece called Traditional Tradition. Yes. Food is, is so sort of wound into the Jewish tradition, yes, isn't it? It is. Why? And, and what is it about Why? Jewish mamas and food? Well, you know, Jewish mamas, I, I think it's a, it's a colloquialism that's very familiar to everybody as a, uh, like this person who's anxious and proud and weeps quite easily. I mean, uh, there's that, that charming story by Shalom Aleichem about uh, this boy Motel who goes to America with his mother and uh, they have to go to Ellis Island. And there they're medically checked. And, of course, the mother can't stop crying. And he says to her, Mama, stop crying. They won't let you in. They'll think there's something wrong with your eyes. <laughs> that is a, a quintessential Jewish mother, if you will. I mean, there's anxiety, there's love, there's pride. But food is a big thing. It's, it's a genetic thing almost. It's like music. I mean, there are these holidays, and each holiday, um, is marked with a specific kind of food. Uh, I, I can give you one example, like Hanukkah, which is the festival of lights, where uh, Jews light candles in the sending sequence for a week because there was a miracle of oil in the temple. But to celebrate, and you have to believe me, we eat fried potato pancakes and donuts because that ties up with the oil. It, it's food. I would say that most of the food is soul food. This soul food, you know, it's extraordinary, isn't it? And it's, it's like a sort of a, a, a cure-all, a salvo for everything. If there's yes. a problem, eat. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I had started at the museum again with these cooking demonstrations, and we called them "Eat, Eat, It's Good for You," <laughs> and I had them embroidered on my prints. <laughs> it's 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 something that's reassuring. Uh, it's familiar. Yeah. It's also a link to your grandparents or your parents, you know. 
it's what your children will remember. Just whilst we're on the, the sort mm. of heritage chicken soup, or, oh, or, yes. or should I say chicken soup, chicken which, soup. <laughs> which is sort of the answer to world tension, really. Yes. What is the, what is the origin of that? Does it, does uh, it know, go I'm, back into the annals of I, I'm sure it does go very far back. Um, uh, although, you know, I refer to the shtetls, which were very poor uh, villages where Jews lived in Eastern Europe. And I think on Friday nights, uh, that was the night to celebrate the Sabbath. And there they probably boiled the chicken in the soup and then ate the chicken as, as well. You know, nothing went to waste. But chicken soup is very good for you. <laughs> I trust you. I trust you. <laughs> when the people were very poor, and yes. a lot of the, the, the Jewish people who came here to South Africa yes. were very, very poor, yes. weren't they? What was what was what did one eat then? I mean, presumably the the mothers would have been very irritable and crabby and very distressed and crying all the time. But what were they? What were they able to? <laughs> My mother was never irritable, oh, and she, she wasn't. <laughs> However, they would probably look for the foods that were familiar to them mm. from Eastern Europe. Now, we're not talking about the Jews of Spain or Italy or North Africa who were much more affluent and the climate was more uh, f- uh, friendly and they, ate and they were better off. Um, but the ones who came from Eastern Europe probably went to look for herrings, which, you know, uh, potatoes, grated potatoes, in winter grated potato pudding, which is also very marvelous, uh, chicken. And they would have made real chicken fat, you know, uh, and they would have used that in gravies. They would have rendered the chicken fat down. But, of course, nowadays, you know, one has vegetarian, you don't want to die ever. You know, you can't <laughs> eat like your grandparents eat. I mean, my dad used to have sandwiches like of rye bread with thick sour cream on. I mean, I don't even allow myself to think of such things. <laughs> but, but in your dreams, yes, certainly there. Certainly there. You come back to the dear God so cheesecake, to, can't we? To get back to the chicken soup, sorry, mm. you have chicken soup. Really, it's a traditional uh, soup for every Friday night and Jewish holidays, you know. And then, according to the holiday or what it is, you will either have knedlachim, uh, which are very fluffy um, dumplings made yeah. with matzah. Knedlach. Are they easy to make? Yes, but you... Do, do, they, do they appear in the book? I think they do. They do. Yes, I think in fact, a number of times. The cure for what ails you, I think. And always that... Uh, they're there under affirmative editions for soup. <laughs> no, my own book of Baha. Affirmative, affirmative editions for soup. soup. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like what? So, Knedlach, it would be one of them. Those are dumplings. The, what yes. else? I haven't got very many, but I've got a spectacular one, which you make with biscuit dough. You, you make the pastry and then you mince the soup meat if you've had lucky enough to have meat in, you know, in the soup and you mix it with egg and fried onion and then you roll it up like a Swiss roll and you brush it top with egg white and then you sprinkle sugar on because the Jews from Lithuania liked sugar. The ones from Poland didn't like sugar that much. So the, Jew, the Lithuanian recipes have sugar. And then you bake this and then you slice it into rings and then you float it on top of the plate of chicken soup. And I think in my recipe I say, sigh before commencing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really does seem like you see food as, well, you, you see food. I mean, it's really where you start and finish, isn't it? Yeah. And I love the line here. It says, um, well, in the introduction you say, the book has been written with a working woman in mind and they are sometimes irritable. I don't know anyone who comes home euphoric and ready to whip on an apron, whip up a souffle or whip off her clothes. <laughs> if you are depressed, food will cheer you up. 
So it's not just the eating of the food, it's the preparing of the food. In fact, if you say, if you are too depressed to lift up a ladle, go to Woolworths, because if you're an irritable working woman, I assume you can pay for the privilege. <laughs> so, and, and you say, if you hate cooking, I can't understand why you bought this book. <laughs> So you've got a wicked <laughs> sense of humour. So yeah. it's not just the eating, it's no. the preparing of the, of the yes. food. And, and I think it's, it's something that, uh, that connects you. I mean, and I'm not saying connects you with your mother who may not no longer, but it'll connect you with your cousins or your friends or you'll compare these things or you'll go into a Jewish delicatessen and you'll see these things and you'll say, ah, you know, my mother did better than that. Oh, my mother could never have done that or something. There's some kinship. In the food bar. Here we are. Yeah. We have Shea's Nedluck here, which yeah. is the Jewish cure for what ails you. We, yeah. Next to which we have Agnes's Astonishing Meat, meat roll. roll. Who was Agnes? Agnes was my redoubtable aunt. She was the oldest of six sisters. And uh, she, she was a marvel. I mean, uh, of course, they're all long gone. Now, Agnes used to have trestle tables of with relatives and food every holiday there were two trestle tables and everything was groaning all the people were groaning and she used to make this she was a marvel and, and I say that I don't know if she put the pastry in the fridge to chill or something because maybe those days in the shtetl they just left it outside because that was Eastern Europe and they lived in these Wooden structures. In the hot African sun, it might yeah, not, it it might might have, been not have been a different story yeah. altogether. I mean, when they came here, uh, her mother, my grandmother, was 29, and she bro- came here with five little children on a boat from, the, you know, from Memel, which was across the water. No language. I mean, the story is a phenomenal mm. story. Have you written that story? No, I want to do is that. that your, is that your next plan, yes. now that you've got yes. the irritable cooking now that I've got the irritable out of your, out of your system? Yeah. Just going back to Aunt Agnes and the astonishing mm. meat roll, and I see that this recipe is part of a family oral tradition mm. as opposed to verbal, which we learned earlier oh. is about the things being written and spoken, but oral means that it's only, only spoken. Spoke, yes. Did you inherit from your from your redoubtable aunt uh, things written down, or was it the sort of thing that you got taught in the kitchen? No, that... I just asked her, mm. you know, as we get older, like I'm really sorry I didn't ask more because she was a remarkable woman. She she got a forest of trees planted in Israel for Jewish children by suggesting that each parent plants a tree there in the child's name. But that's quite a nice illustration on a birthday, that one. What, the, the red snapper? It's like, like me. <laughs> Incorrigible, you're a bit redoubtable <laughs> yourself, really, aren't you, Shay? Uh, okay, let's get on to fish because yes. um, we've got a picture of a red snapper with brackets yes. like me when I'm irritable. Fish, they also have faces, she says. Yeah. Is fish a very, um, is it a very big in the Jewish tradition? Uh, no, there's certain kinds of fish like gefilte fish. I mm. don't have a recipe for it there. I have a recipe for fried gefilte fish. Um, Can you just explain gefilte fish? Gefilte fish is fish, and usually two kinds of fish, which is minced with carrots uh, and fried onion, uh, and probably bound with egg and a little bit of matzo meal. It's a, it's a traditional festival dish. Then those fish dumplings are boiled in stock, which and then they're served cold. Each one has its own perfect slice of carrot on top but we didn't like my family never liked it I made it only once my brother takes that recipe and fries it 
and that's a very marvelous thing, which you eat also, both kinds, with horseradish. Mm. Uh, but it's red horseradish. It's mixed with beetroot. So you get a bit of heat, you know, which takes away some of the blandness of that. In fact, your brother Asher. My brother Your Asher. brother Asher is renowned for his fried kibbutz <laughs> fish, which is produced and consumed in great quantities on Jewish holidays. But yeah. like the history of the Jews, you have to slave before you reach the <laughs> promised land. So, um, yes, a lot, of, a lot of this is quite a, quite a lot of work, isn't it? Yes. It's not in and out yes. of the kitchen in five minutes. No, no, it's not in and out of the kitchen. I mean, all the recipes in this book are not traditional Jewish yeah. recipes. They are very fast, easy recipes, but festival cooking uh, requires some commitment. Are there any festivals, and I, I'm sure I should know this, are there any festivals specifically around mothers? Or all festivals no, around mothers. No. I mean, mothers are very all special. festivals are around mothers, I suppose. You know, we, the 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 outdoor food exhibition that that we did at the Jewish Museum was called "In My Mother's Kitchen." But I was thinking today, why not grandmothers? I mean, maybe all grandmothers are obviously mothers, but there isn't a special Mother's Day. No. We talk a lot about mothers and grandmothers in the Jewish tradition, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking about the next generation. Do you think this? Do you think traditional Jewish cooking is uh, has a has a future? I mean, a lot yes. of people are rushing off to aforementioned convenience store to buy things ready-made. Mm-hmm. Is that the way things are going? I don't think so. I, I think that that if you're a mother and your kitchen is the heart of your house and you feel this thing. And, and you remember the holidays with, with more than nostalgia, but with a great deal of affection and warmth, then you will want to repeat that, you know, and, and, and make some of the things. I mean, uh, I, I know that my homesick Scottish granny used to make this uh, dish for my dad, for us, every second Sunday, in, in a little stove with legs. You know, do you remember those funny little stoves? It must have taken her the whole day. It was like ravioli dough, which she then put sweet cream cheese in, and then she boiled them, and then she put them in a basin, and then she poured cream on, and then she put a pastry lid on top of them. I did, I've done that once, I'm ashamed to say. Well, I think, uh, you know, uh, what do they say about life being too short to stuff a mushroom? It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like that, uh, that might fall into that yes. category. I'm determined to get some recipes from you, Please. Cher. We're, go- we're going to have the Oh Dear God cheesecake because it is Mother's yes. Day and it's yes. got three stars, uh, uh, all little icons. What are these icons? Oh, the here? icons, the stars are the degree of complexity. Oh, okay. The clocks are how long it takes. Okay. The sticks of dynamite, of which I see there are none, uh, would be irritability, levels of irritability <laughs> before making. And the flowers are um, the level of, of satisfaction after consuming. Oh, well, this so is definitely tranquility, a good one. I think. So this has got three stars for levels of yes. complexity. Oh, it's a marvel. And why don't you just roughly, you don't have to go through it to sort of chapter and verse, but roughly... Tell us about the dear God, oh dear God cheesecake. Is it is it an no, easy no, one? It's a very easy one because you have a biscuit crumb uh, crust which, yeah. which you make, and then you mix together. Although uh, people used to use cream cheese, but we are so terrified that we now use low-fat cottage, smooth cottage cheese. So you mix that with egg yolks, sugar, vanilla, sweet cream. So there goes. Uh, doesn't really matter about the cream cheese. Some evaporated milk. 
custard powder, which gives it a marvellous glow. Okay? So you and mix the custard powder into the filling. Into the, but then, when you've mixed all that, you whip up two egg whites and you fold that in gently. So you've got this fluffy cake. And then you bake it. And then you leave it in the oven for a bit so it doesn't collapse. That's, you're allowed to collapse yeah. it, but God forbid, not the cake. <laughs> okay. That's what it means. And the whole family are going to love you forever. Oh, you yes. choose another one. You choose another uh, one that you think I is... Can I choose... Uh, I would love... Maybe give it one with lots of dynamite sticks so that we know that if you're really, really <laughs> crabby, this is the one to, <laughs> this is the one to, to get started. I don't know if I did ever put lots of dynamite. Can I... I don't know what to give you. I, I, should I give you... Okay. I'll give you my Simus recipe, because okay. it should be Jewish, shouldn't it? Yes. Okay. Here, and, okay, so this is a, a, a time-consuming, complicated, but very satisfying Lots recipe. Lots of bouquets of flowers at the end of it. Yeah, but it's marvelous. It's a vegetarian Simus. So these are for all these health-conscious Jewish people who, who want to be traditional but fear meat. And it's Simus. Simus. T-Z-I-M-M-E-S, which means what? one? I don't know exactly what it means, but it's used in colloquial thing as a, as a mishmash, as a, a combination. And I would say if you were a very uh, f- sort of fussy, difficult person who makes, who turns everything and exaggerates, I would say, oh, what a simus she has to make <laughs> out of everything. <laughs> Maybe just like a bit of chocolate or not? No, 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 no. This one's made with apple juice, water, pineapple juice, pitted prunes, raisins, carrots, sweet potatoes, a fresh pineapple, fresh ginger for for oomph, lemon zest, lemon juice, cinnamon sticks, and sugar. Oh. And you stew them all together. There's no frying, so you can, you know, you can relax. Yeah. And then you have that with a roast or chicken. It's marvelous. And, and you can use honey or sugar. And you would eat this on the Jewish New Year, when traditionally you eat apples and honey for a sweet year. But you can eat it really any time. And for a vegetarian, they could have that and console themselves with brown rice. <laughs> so that's that, yeah. you know. Uh, there are, but there are very good recipes here that are yeah. not uh, Jewish. There's a very good fish recipe. I use lemon a lot in all my cooking. It's very nice. If you just take lemon and you roast in chicken and you put lemon quarters in, it, it sort of delivers this wonderful gravy and taste. Uh, if, if there was time for one more, I'd, oh, I'd give definitely. you the marvellous, marvellous uh, Philippa Schaefitz's uh, Moroccan roast fish. Okay, this is L- okay. Let's listen carefully because Philippa Schaefitz is, uh, is kind of the royalty of of yes. food, isn't yes. it? Uh, second only to yourself. But she's, <laughs> no, very, no, no. she's written a number of cookbooks. Yes. So her her yes. Moroccan style roast fish. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to give you the exact things, but but she's a marvel, Philip. Mm. And I call this fish my mezuzah, because a mezuzah is the prayer that Jewish people affix to their front door. Oh, that little thing that yes, you have to... Yes, there's a prayer in mm. there. And very religious Jews kiss the mezuzah and put their mouth, you know, then their hands to their lips when they've touched it. But people kiss me if I feed them this fish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you become a mezuzah incarnate. So, so you... You marinate your fish, and it's marvelous with cobble joe, but you could even use hake or any fish, in, in a marinade of olive oil, lemon juice, coriander leaves, and garlic, with paprika, cumin, chili, and salt. And then you roast it incredibly quickly 
for like eight to ten minutes. Would, would you leave it in the marinade, or would you You'd leave it in the marinade okay. in a in a dish that can be put straight into the mm. oven, because one doesn't need to have a lot of dishes. So you marinate it in eight to ten minutes. It's inc- it's exquisite, and then you eat it with couscous, with, and you can read the directions on the box. You see. And that's it. And, and that's need all you, for irritability. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I have to. I do have to just say though yes. one thing. I don't know how you say that you're not religious. Um, but there are a lot of traditions yes. around, uh, you know, traditional kosher food. Yes, certain yes. things you're not allowed to use yes. more than once, and the milk and the meat yes, and yes. all sorts of things. In fact, just around the corner from where we are right now, there's a there's a, a kosher bed and breakfast. Oh, really? Um, where the kitchens are very specific, and uh, you're only allowed to use certain Utensils. plates. So get, can you just explain that? To yes, uh, I'm traditional, but not orthodox. Okay. Orthodox Jews are not allowed to mix milk milk and meat in any form and in fact uh, they're not so they have separate sets of milk dishes and separate sets of meat dishes then there are things which are neither milk nor meat which are known as parav like for example oil for cooking or baking if you want to bake a cake that has no butter or milk uh, that would be parav fish is parav it's not meat uh, once you combine milk or cream or something or cheese with fish, you've turned it into a milk dish. But in the Orthodox faith, you're not allowed to mix the two. And I think the biblical quotation says you shall not steep a kid in its mother's milk or something. I'm not quite sure about that. You're also not allowed to eat shellfish or pork. Now, these these laws of, of kashrut or kosherness were devised hundreds if not thousands of years ago and they made complete sense in an age before refrigeration. But traditional Jews uh, do not really observe that unless they want to or unless there's such a marvelous recipe that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But uh, those, that's actually the Jewish law. You cannot mix milk and meat. Now, if you're very, very orthodox, uh, then you would have a separate set of dishes for Passover, which is a separate holiday where you have a separate set of meat dishes and a separate set of milk dishes. And you clear out your cupboards and you th- throw away everything that contains bread or biscuits or anything and, and you use things that are kosher for Passover. And you only eat matzah, which is the unleavened bread. Because when the Jews fled Egypt... The, the dough didn't have enough time to rise. Now, if you don't go into that, and you just want to think about it, uh, well, dispassionately, it, it's quite a good idea to clean out your cupboards mm-hmm. once a year. Gosh, you know? well, we don't have time to get the whole story, but my <laughs> goodness, Cher, how interesting it has all been. And I just want to <laughs> say that um, whether or not she's irritable, maybe the working woman in your life perhaps needs a copy of this because it will certainly put a smile on her face. It's called The Irritable Working Woman's Cookbook. It's by Cher Albert. It's published. Have you published it yourself? No. No, it's No, by? it's published by Heartspace Publishers. Okay. Heartspace Publications. Heartspace Publications. However, it is... Yeah, no, sorry, noisy paper. So is, is it available in bookshops? It is available in bookshops in South Africa. Um, in, in, I think, Exclusive and Wordsworth. It's also available from the distributor, who, which is Kima Global. K-I-M-A-G-L-O-B-A-L. And he has a website which I think is just called www.sa.kima, 
I don't, and I don't think there's Can a Can people contact you? Yes, let them contact And, and your email address would be what? My email address is Shia yeah. 111 yeah. at telcomsa.net. Let's just do that. If you would like to get hold of a copy, the Irritable Working Woman's Cookbook, Shia 111 at telcomsa.net will get you there. You're listening to SFM Literature here on SFM. Shia Albert, thank you so much. Thank you. It's thank three you. o'clock. It's time for the news.